1: Construction zone. Yes, there's some hazardous material going on up here. There's some hammering and drilling going on. There's some stuff taking place in the construction zone that actually could cause me to wear a sign. I'm under construction. I need to have this around my neck. I'm under construction. I don't have it together, so I ask that you be patient with me because God's not through with me yet, and God's not through with you yet either.
0: Extend grace and mercy to those around you. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he shares with you the concept that we are all under construction. No one has fully arrived. We are all works in progress in need of God's grace. It's important to share that grace and compassion with others. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he begins his message, Under Construction.
1: You are assured. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I'm sure that from time to time, all of you, as I have, have noticed the words on a storefront or in a window under new management. I'm sure you've seen that from time to time. And unfortunately, in this current age and the current day we're living in, you might see that a lot more under new management. And when you see these words, it conjures up into your mind a series of thoughts and and, and impressions. When, When we see these words under new management, we immediately know that the business has experienced a change. The most obvious change is that of leadership under new management. But the new management comes with new motivation. The new management comes with new methods in which the way business is going to be conducted in that particular area. The old way of doing business it did not work out. So in a new way, a new direction is put in place. There's a new way. And when we think about this, we like to think that the change in management will bring forth An improvement to the overall functions of what was once a business. And you've seen it happen. You've seen it happen in businesses that didn't seem to make a go of it. New management comes in, and all of a sudden, they're doing well. You've seen it. I know you have. Why? Because with new management comes a new vision. A new vision of what the business should look like, how the business should operate. this vision might include a remodel. A remodel of the entire area where business workplace, if you will. It might include adding new staff, taking away old staff, adding new equipment, changing the way business is conducted altogether, replacing the old with the new. The vision then moves to the planning stage. And in the planning stage, plans are usually drawn up. Plans are usually drawn up to show what the management new vision is going to look like. Planning then becomes approved and construction begins. And when construction begins, chaos follows. For some reason, chaos follows construction. Have you ever walked through a construction zone? Most construction zones seem pretty chaotic. And, you know, they can be dangerous. They can be unsightly to look at, too. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, highway construction alone, come on, just take a drive down I-95 for a while. It won't be too long before you have a sign, road construction ahead. And you know you're in for bumps, lane changes, starts, stops, delays, maybe even falling hazards. But have you ever noticed how dirty these construction places are, how noisy they are, how disorganized they are, how untidy they seem to be? They're very, very hectic, and they're really disgusting places because you got porta potties decorating the whole landscape. In other words, it looks like a mess. Most construction sites look like a mess. But if you talk to the architect, if you talk to the new manager, they will say that the construction zone is a beautiful site despite all the chaos that's going on. Why? Because they envision what it's going to look like at the end. They have a vision of the end product. They know what they're looking for, and they know that as they move forward, it is a process of progress. They're moving forward. Interesting, this is what our lives look like after we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Think about it. When we accept Jesus Christ into our life, he does what we ask him to do. He comes into our life through the Holy Spirit. We become born again. And then we too come under new management. We come under new leadership. We were once slaves to sin. We sang that. We were once slaves to sin, and our father was the devil. Jesus said this in John eight forty four. 44. Now, God, the creator of the universe, is the new management. He's the new leader in our lives, and he has a plan for us. The old is no more. The new has taken place. And you know the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we have this newness going on. The first thing that happens, we get a new identity. The first thing that happens, we get a new identity. We are now children of God. He is now our true father, our heavenly father. And we have been adopted into his family where we have been given all rights and privileges as a family family member. And you know, back in the dark ages when we studied John 1, we came to the verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Become born again, we have a new father, a heavenly father, who has designed for us. And not, my life is now under new management. The new management of my life has a new vision for my life. This new manager that has taken over my life now has a new mas- uh, vision of what I'm supposed to be. The plans have already been drawn up long, long time ago. They've been approved by the chief architect, by the chief builder himself. God has approved the plan. And even in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, basically he says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So our new manager, our new father, God, has now got this plan for our lives. We've accepted the Lord Jesus into our heart we believed in a sacrifice on a cross. We confessed our sins. We've been cleansed from all sins. Now we're a child of God. Woohoo! Let the construction begin. Let the construction begin. Now, I need to tell you something before we continue. Contrary to what it may look like, in spite of what it, in spite of what it may appear to you, regardless of this smile that I have on my face and prayerfully my delightful, compassionate discipline... And disposition, be careful, I want to fill you in on a little secret. I don't have it all together. You see standing before you, and I pray what you see is good. However, what you don't see and what you don't understand is what you're looking at behind this podium is a work in progress. You're looking at a construction zone. Yes, there's some hazardous material going on up here. There's some hammering and drilling going on. There's some stuff taking place in the construction zone that actually could cause me to wear a sign. I'm under construction. (laughs) I need to have this around my neck. I'm under construction. I don't have it together, so I ask that you be patient with me. Because God's not through with me yet, and God's not through with you yet either. Paul said, I don't. Say that I've been apprehended for what I've been apprehended for. In other words, Paul said, I'm not there yet. And if the apostle Paul wasn't there yet, I am certainly far from being there yet. Certainly. But I'm better than I was. But I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I shall be. And in people's eyes, sometimes they're going to see a chaotic mess. Yeah, they will. They're going to see a chaotic mess because I'm under construction. There's a lot of things going on, but I have a promise from God, the father, that he is going to complete the work. And in that, I can rest assured that not only he'll complete the work, but it's his work to complete. And I can rest assured in that. So the Apostle John is now coming to it, And he disclaimed last time that about what manner of love. And he, and he says in verse 2, he says, Beloved, I, I like this guy. E, brethren, beloved. He's pouring his heart out to us. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. The first thing he says is now we are the sons of God, children of God. Please meditate on that. Please take some time and allow that to sink in. Once again, say it with me. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. I am a child of God. Now think about the enormity of what you just declared. Think about the enormity of what you just proclaimed. You are a child of God. Think about your position in Jesus Christ. And if you do not know your position in Jesus Christ, then you need to read Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, to see exactly what your position in Christ is. You are children of the Most High God. John had already told us the manner of love God had given us, the incredible love that God had for you that he demonstrated through his Son, Jesus Christ. And mainly he demonstrated that while hanging on a cruel Roman cross. He demonstrated that love. This most precious, peculiar, and privileged gift, John says, the Father has lavished upon you. Has just given to you freely. It's a free gift. You've done nothing to earn it. You can't do anything to earn it. He's just lavished it upon you. Here, my gift of my son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Actually, everlasting life. This is hard to fathom. Difficult to fathom. Say it again. I'm a child of God. Amen. Think about what you said. You are a child of the awesome eternal God. He created you and he sustains the entire vast universe. He has adopted you and me as children. And he has given you all rights and privileges that come along with being one of his kids. Friends, when John said behold, that is something to really behold. We are a child of the Most High God. I can't keep re-emphasizing that to you and getting you to look at that in that way and be in all of that and just be in awe-struck and wonder and like, whoa, really let that sink in. And John continues. He says, we're not what we appear to be. What's John saying here? Well, I think he's saying, I'm in the process of progress. I'm under construction. I think that's what John is saying here. As I said, I'm better than I was, but I'm not yet what I'm going to be. And truth be told, we're all under construction. Truth be told, we're all under construction. We all are in the process of progress, and most assuredly, we're each at different levels in our progress. We're each at different levels in our construction zone. But the construction is happening, people. We are all under construction. John says, it doesn't appear what you shall be. Now... I'm sure many times you have seen me in action and you look and go, this is a child of God. Trust me, there are times when I look in the mirror and I say to myself, you're a child of God? Trust me, it happens, you're right. But when John says this, he says, I wanna give you some encouragement here. You're not what you appear to be. You're looking in a glass dimly. You're you're looking at a glass dimly. You're not really what you're supposed to be. He says in verse 2b, but know that when he is revealed, he's talking about Jesus here, but when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Yes, sometimes I don't look like a child of God and sometimes I don't even act like his child. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. Not what I want to do, but sometimes that happens. John is telling me that when he appears, when Jesus comes before me and I'm standing before him, I'm going to be like him. Wow. Now, he's telling me two things, I believe, in that short part of that verse. He's telling me two things. First of all, he's once again telling you, he's telling me, he's telling the world that Jesus is coming back. He's telling me that Jesus will come back. Jesus will appear to us. He will come and get us. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would tell you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you, and there you will be where I am. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. John is one who wrote that from Jesus' own words. There we will be. I'm coming to get you. I will come, and I will bring you there. When you're there, you'll be with me forever. So John is reiterating this fact. Jesus is coming again. It's a theme that he hammers through his entire epistle. He says, and when I see him, I'm going to be like him. For I'm going to see him as he really is. When I see him, the construction will be over. I can throw away the hammer. I can have the porta potty carted it off. I'm going to be done. The construction will be over. This is great encouragement, folks. This is great encouragement, those wounds you feel from the construction process, the times you're going through that you're struggling, it's all going to be over with one day, and you're going to see him face to face. You know, as I thought about this, there's a man who went through this, and who proclaimed this very thing. His name was Job, and he had some hard times. He had some difficulties. He had a few things go against him, go the wrong way in his life, but In chapter 19, Job says these words, I'm going to read verses 25 through 27. This is what Job says. Remember what has happened to him. He's lost everything, including all his kids. He's lost everything he's owned. And he says this in verse 25 of chapter 19, for I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at Last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see before see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another how my heart yearns within me. Job is saying that. Listen to to Job's voice. Hear the faith coming from his mouth. This was something that he knew. He says, I know. It was much more than a hope. It was much more than a guess. Job Job knew this for certain. Job knew that he had a redeemer, someone who would rescue him from his crisis, someone who would rescue him from his despair, someone who would rescue him from all the accusations that have been made against him. Job knew this, and he banked on it. He knew that his redeemer was not only there, but he was alive. And that because he lived, Job knew that he would live too. I love this. And Job says, okay, there's going to be destruction of this flesh. And when it's completed, I know by faith that I'll see God. What was he saying? He's saying that in my resurrected body, I will stand before the Lord and see God. My flesh will be destroyed. My flesh will be gone. This would be a moment of Job's comfort. It would be a moment of Job's restoration. It would be a moment of his vindication. And he would have the confidence in it, even if it came after his death. And I love what Job said, my heart is yearning within me. Job's heart was yearning. I don't know if you ever felt your heart yearn. It's something that happens in you that you have this long for. You can call it desire, but our desire is for more of him, more of his love. Psalm 37 says, if we delight ourselves in him, he will give to you the desires of your heart, which is more of him. That's what we desire for. Job was yearning. He was yearning for the things of God to be revealed to him. Does this describe your heart condition today? One of the reasons are you here because you're yearning to see God? You're yearning to know more about Him? You're learning to get closer to Him? You're, you're yearning because you know that this life is going to craziness and there are porta potties all outside your house? Are you, are you worried because of everything that's happening? Are you in despair? Are you in crisis mode? You're yearning for God. When you yearn for God, He meets you right where you are, He meets you right in the midst of your yearning. He comes in the midst of your despair, He comes in the midst of the construction, and He says, I'm here. And I love you. And I want to hug you and hold you in my arms and tell you how much I love you. And it's going to be okay. Yes, you're going to get through this. You're going to suffer for a little while, but only for a little while. And it'll be over. See, this is what John wants us to know. He wants us to know that we too should have this hope because we're children of God. And when we see him, we too have a redeemer. One who has redeemed us and called us his own, Jesus Christ. One who's rescued us from our crisis. One who's rescued us from our despair. One who is our only hope. Christ in us, the only hope of glory. Our Redeemer is alive. He conquered death. He rose from the grave on the third day. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. And he's alive. And we will stand with him one day. He will come back and get us. And my flesh will be destroyed. I will jettison this flesh. And he will give me a new body. And I will be with him forever. Wow. Wow. See, Job started that whole thing out with saying, I know. What does John say? John says, we know. Do you know that? Is that how you live your life? Do you bank on that? Is that something that you have in your heart that you really, really, truly know? But we know? Do you truly know that? And when we see him, our construction will be complete. Because we will see him as he really is. And we will be like him. We will be like him. Paul, writing to the Roman church in chapter 8, in verse 29, Paul says, For whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're being conformed in that image. When I see him, I'll be like him. The process will be done. This process of confirmation that we're being conformed to, that's the construction that's happening. That's the constructioning. This is our desire to be more like Jesus. This is my desire. i want to be more like Jesus. This is the end result. This is the completed work of God, to be like Jesus. Jesus is everything we want to be. He's gentle. He's commanding. He speaks with authority. But yet he's so tender, so tender that he embraces the worst of sinners and draws them to himself. And that's what he did for me. He embraced me and drew, him, drew me to him. And this becomes our hope. This becomes what we hope for. This becomes the hope that is in us, that's welling up in inside of us. And we know that this hope doesn't disappoint. This hope is true because it's not based on me. It's based on him. This hope doesn't disappoint. John says that in verse 3. He says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure.
0: This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrast between light and dark truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another, because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821 keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website AssureHopeRadio.com Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope.
1: Hope